Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Well, our topic this morning as we journey into our series is a topic that I believe all of us can relate to. In fact, uh, if you've ever asked someone out on a date and been laughed at, raise your hand. No, don't raise your hand. Sorry, you don't have to do that. Uh, But if you've ever asked someone on a date and been laughed at, you understand our topic today. If you haven't been accepted by a group of people, you understand today's topic. If you weren't one of the cool kids in high school, You understand about today's topic. If you were ever picked last for a team, if you ever passed over for promotion at work, if you ever lost entire groups of friends because of your faith in Christ, listen, the chances are today everyone in this room knows something about today's topic. Today we're talking about the topic of rejection. Rejection. If I asked you to call to mind a time in your life when you were rejected, the chances are that ache associated with that is still real. You feel that, the pain, the emotion. But take heart today. Early on in the story of God, early on in our Bibles is a story, a story, one of the most profound cases of rejection in history, and it happened to a man named Joseph. I want to invite you today to turn to Genesis chapter 37. Uh, if you have your copy of Scripture with you, if you are a version app user, I really want to encourage you to turn there because we're going to be reading through a lot of Scripture. I'll have it on the screen, but I believe there's something about holding it in front of you. And so if you would, just take a moment to go there with me, Genesis chapter 37. While you're turning there, a welcome. We're, we're in a series on relationships. And, and we're in a series on relationships because we believe that all relationships matter. Um, the, the, whoever it is in your life that matters most to you, whoever the circle of people are, it's going to look different in your life, right, than my life. It's going to look different according to your circumstances, but we believe those relationships in your life matter. And in fact, our prayer really is simple in this series. God, heal fractured relationships. Whatever those, whether it's relationships that we have fractured, relationships that have fractured, people that have hurt, whatever the cause, whatever the reason, God, heal fractured relationships. And I believe God's been doing that as we've taken this journey together. We started by talking about conflict. In in reality, God's word uh, has some specific instructions for us in in how to handle conflict in godly relationships. Uh, We also talked about this idea of betrayal, betrayal, what God wants to help us trust even in the midst of that. If you weren't here, I I would highly encourage you to go back and listen, not because you want to hear me talk more, but because I believe God's, God's word has some truth for us to help us. And so today we come to Joseph's story. Joseph knew a lot about rejection. Uh, If you don't know much about his story, his background, uh, Jacob, his father, had 12 sons. So Joseph is one of 12, but he was the favorite son. Now listen, 
Every child accuses mom or dad of having a favorite. I know, I know. Uh, every, everybody does that. But Joseph really was the favorite. And you can imagine that angered his 11 brothers. Yes, 11 brothers. Uh, to make matters worse, Joseph was a dreamer. Literally, he had dreams. And sometimes he would have dreams and he would just say, hey, brothers, I dreamed that you're all going to bow down to me. And you can imagine that didn't go over very well. His brothers hated him. So much so that when they're given the opportunity, they devise a plan to get rid of him forever. You thought your family was dysfunctional, right? We're reading and understanding a little bit more about that today. So here in in chapter 37, we're going to be reading uh, verse 17. And we can see uh, Joseph is coming out to check on his brothers. His dad sends them. But they have a a plot now, a plan to get rid of him forever. And so we're going to pick up reading Genesis uh, 37, starting in verse 17. Uh, This is the word of God for us today. It says this. uh, So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. Uh, But when they saw him in the distance, before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him uh, from them and take him back to his father. Verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing. They took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh. They were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood, his brother's Agreed. So so pause for a minute. This is deemed the reasonable plan. After all, he is our brother. The kinder thing to do is not to kill him, but to sell him as a slave, right? Gee, what thoughtful guys. (laughs) Let's continue. Verse 28. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. What a painful story of rejection. For many of us, we carry real burdens and real hurts. Scars are real. Uh, And in Joseph's life, this is a gut-wrenching depiction of rejection. Was Joseph the favored one? Was he the favorite? Sure he was. (laughs) Was it obnoxious and annoying that he had these dreams about his brothers bowing down to him? Yes. (laughs) But they make the decision to kill him and instead sell him as a slave. Talk about rejection. It wouldn't be hard to imagine... (laughs) that this is the end for Joseph. How do you come back from that level of rejection? I want to pause. We're going to get back to Joseph's story in a minute. It's an incredible story for us, and I believe God's word, his encouragement to us. But I want to pause for a minute and acknowledge what's happening in us and to us, what we're thinking about, what we're feeling when we experience rejection. Because again, everyone in this room can identify and relate to it in some way. Um, biologically, when we experience rejection, something's actually happening in our brains. And it's similar to when we experience physical pain. Our brains and our bodies start to respond as if we're being physically hurt. 
Uh, it's, but, but it's actually worse because here's what's happening. Uh, these neurons in our brain that are, again, I'm not an expert. Talk to someone who is. But uh, the neurons that begin firing in response to physical pain, but often with physical pain, eventually we get some relief. Eventually we find some help. Eventually there's some medicine or treatment or something where that physical pain starts to subside, right? As these neurons in our brain are being activated and, and firing in response. But the pain of rejection researchers have found that the pain is relived over and over and over again. These neurons in our brain are firing again and again and again. And often that pain is not subsiding. That pain is not getting easier and lessening over time. With this pain of rejection time and time again that we're experiencing, rejection quite literally hurts. It hurts us. Our bodies are responding as if we're in pain, quite literally. And listen, you don't really need my oversimplified biology lesson to convince you that rejection stays with us. Because some of us today, we, we can relive in our minds the rejection that happened years and years, yes, even a lifetime ago. And it still hurts. The emotion is real, right? But with that emotion comes thoughts and feelings and attitudes. They begin in that moment. And for some of us, they carry on for a lifetime. Thoughts like this. Thoughts that say, I'm not worthy. Again, because I've been rejected. Because that person rejected me. I, I'm not, we may not say it out loud. We may not ever acknowledge it to anyone else. But, but in our hearts and minds, we feel like I'm not worthy. I'm broken, I'm flawed, no one could love me. There, there's a world full of people walking around believing that about themselves, that no one could love them. How about this one? I always mess up, I'm never enough. I'm never, en I will never be good enough. These are the stories, the lies, the thoughts, the attitudes that we dwell upon time and time again. So these memories of pain translate into thoughts and attitudes. And listen, these are paralyzing. These are debilitating in our lives. We started this series talking about the mind of Christ, Philippians chapter 2. And you can see now why that's so important. Because without the mind of Christ, these thoughts lived over and over and over in our brains. They sabotage. They destroy our joy. They lead us to destructive decisions in our lives. I wrote this down. I think this is true. How you think about your experience of rejection can be as powerful as the rejection itself. I really think that's true today. How we think about our experience of rejection is often just as powerful as the rejection itself. In fact, uh, to take a moment, I, I think it's important to acknowledge the fear of rejection. Some of us, because we've been rejected, now we live our lives in fear of it. A researcher, uh, Michael Rizzer, suggests some of the signs of fear of rejection operating in our hearts. See if any of these show up in your life. Uh, being a people pleaser, taking on too many responsibilities, having trouble saying no, working too hard, hiding your true thoughts and feelings from others, staying in unhealthy relationships, uh, fear of, of failing other people, perfectionism, codependency, putting up with poor treatment from others, this fear of rejection. I would love to say that those, none of those uh, attitudes and actions are prevalent in my life, but far too many times I can identify with that fear, the fear of rejection. So here's the problem. The problem is not the emotions of the, in and of themselves, and the problem is not the thoughts that come with them. 
The problem is when we get stuck there. In fact, this is what I want you to hear today. Some people believe that, you know, those emotions, we need to suppress those. We need to ignore, we need, we need to avoid those. And that's not true. In fact, a lot of really unhealthy things in our lives can come from suppressing emotions. So I'm not saying that at all. We, we have to deal with those emotions. We, we have to often seek out people, professionals that can help us deal with the pain of our emotions, deal with these thoughts that we're having. The problem is though, we can't allow ourselves to get stuck there because when we do, when we get stuck there, we're blinded. We can't see what's really true, what God says is really true about us. Again, we're experiencing the pain. We're, experiencing, we're having thoughts of, I, I'm unlovable. I'm unworthy. I'm so messed up. I, all, all of the thoughts that play over and over. My, the problem is if we get stuck there, if that becomes so all-consuming, we can't come out from under that to understand what God's word says is true. God's promises say what? That we are worthy of his love and that he has good plans for us. In the moment, it doesn't feel true, right? What feels true is all of the feelings and emotions and, and the thoughts that keep playing. But if we could step outside of that for just a minute and, and realize and recognize, well, what God says is I am worthy. What God says, his promise says that he will work for the good of those who love him and are called. To, it doesn't feel like that in the moment, right? When we're dealing with rejection, but God promises that he will work for our good. God promises even when others have rejected us, he will not. This is what God's word says. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So we have to experience those emotions, deal with those thoughts that are kind of robbing us, but then step beyond that for just a minute to acknowledge what does God say? What does God say is true in this moment? Even when it doesn't feel that way to me. Getting back to Joseph's life, somewhere in the life of Joseph, he made a difficult but life-changing decision. We don't know exactly when. The Bible, the story doesn't tell us exactly when that moment came. But we can see it so evident in his life. Again, I'm going to summarize his story. Uh, it, there's more twists and turns in Joseph's story than a typical Hollywood film. But uh, his story goes like this. Yes, he's sold uh, as a slave, and eventually he becomes a slave in Potiphar's house. Potiphar is one of Pharaoh's officials in Egypt, and God gives him favor. Time and time again, what's fascinating about Joseph's story is even though he's experienced this rejection, right? Time and time again, God's hand is upon his life. God's favor is upon his life. So even as a slave in Potiphar's house, God kind of raises him up. God blesses his life. And so he's given authority and, and ownership. And Potiphar's wife says, hey, hey, come to bed with me. And Joseph's like, no, I'm not doing that. And so she falsely accuses him. And now he's thrown in jail. So first he's left for dead by his own brothers. And now he's thrown in jail on false charges. Surely this would be the end, right? Surely this, this would be how it ends for Joseph. But no, again, God's hand is on his life. And so there in the midst of jail, God exalts him. God, God gives him favor where now he's a prisoner in the jail, but he's kind of in charge of the jail. And God gives him authority and favor time and time again. In fact, God places people in his life, uh, former servants of Pharaoh who have dreams that they need interpreted. And God's given Joseph the gift to interpret dreams. And so he does. And so this leads down a path 
to one day Pharaoh has a dream and who in the kingdom can tell me what this means? Well, no one can except, hey, I remember a guy in prison named Joseph. And so the prisoner Joseph is brought before Pharaoh and God gives Joseph the power, the ability, the wisdom to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. So all of that, look with me on chapter 41. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, God has made all this known to you. There is no one so discerning and wise as you. So you shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Talk about a turn of events, right? Joseph's left for dead, sold into slavery, wrongly accused, thrown in jail, and now he's second in command in all the kingdom. Said every, I know I've talked a lot. I've said everything I've said to get us to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50 happens 22 years after Joseph is rejected and left for dead in the cistern, sold off as a slave. 22 years. Researchers have now said that a generation is defined as 20 years. You can agree or disagree with that. I'm just telling you what they say. So, so in essence, an entire generation has passed since the moment that Joseph experienced that rejection the moment he's carried off into obscurity, a slave, seemingly hopeless. And now 22 years later, he's going to come face to face with his brothers again. Look with me, uh, Genesis 50, starting with verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong things that we did? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of your servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. Pause for a minute. Pause for a minute and remember that this is a real story about a real person who had real feelings and emotions and hurts. It's so easy with God's word to just kind of breeze through it. And, but listen, Joseph experienced rejection that was so painful, unimaginable to many of us. And in this moment, that pain was still real. At, at any point during this story, don't make the mistake of believing that Joseph didn't feel the pain that came with that rejection. It was real, so real that in this moment, he weeps. Kind of a perfect description and picture of rejection, isn't it? How we feel, it hurts. And in this moment, it says he weeps. But weeping is not how the story ends. Joseph wept and his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. Everything I've said this morning is to get us to the next three verses. So if you have your copy of scripture, highlight these three verses with me. Verse 19, but Joseph said to them, again, he's weeping, right? But he doesn't stop there. He's weeping and feeling all of the pain and the emotion of the, he's feeling that, right? But he doesn't let that be the end. Look at what he says. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good. I'm going to say that again because that is, is just one of the most profound lines in all of Scripture. 
you, your rejection, right, intended to harm me, destroy me, kill me, put in whatever word you want to there, right? But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. He says that twice, doesn't he? Don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. He reassured them and spoke kindly to them. You, you see, what you may not know about the story is because Joseph was placed in this powerful position, because God had given him wisdom and discernment, Joseph had the foresight to know that a famine was coming. He had the foresight to help prepare an entire nation for years and years and years of famine. And so literally, God places Joseph in a position of authority and gives him the wisdom and the ability to plan ahead. And in doing so, he saves thousands and thousands and thousands. An entire generation is spared because of Joseph. And in that moment, yes, he weeps. Yes, he feels all of the hurt and pain of that rejection, but he's able to say, what you intended for my destruction, what you intended to hurt and, and kill and destroy me, God used to save the lives of many. There may not be a more beautiful story of redemption in the whole entire story of God. See, listen, in Joseph's life, rejection could have ruled him, but instead redemption did. You know who else knows about rejection, right? You know who else knows, very familiar with our rejection? It's Jesus himself. Remember the words the prophet spoke about him? Words that we often will read uh, during this season of Lent that we're in. It's in, in Isaiah 53. This is how the prophet described who Jesus would be. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance we should desire. Look at verse 3. He was despised and, there's that word, right? Rejected. By mankind, that, that's us. He was despised and rejected by us. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Jesus knew what the weeping of rejection felt like. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Listen, church, God has a way of turning rejection into redemption. I don't have a way to do that. I can't, I, I have no way to do that in my own strength. I have no way that that makes sense. It's not in my plan. I, I don't see how that's possible, but, but the story of God time and time again turns rejection into redemption. You, you know where the rejected one that Isaiah spoke of, you know where he is today? The one who, who would suffer and die and be nailed to a cross, you know where he is today? He is resurrected, seated at the right hand of the Father in glory. Talk about redemption. Hmm. I think that's one of the reasons Joseph's story is one of the most significant in the Old Testament. In his life, the rejectors don't get the last word. And the truth is, church, in your life, that's true too. I, I, I found this story I thought was fascinating. I wasn't familiar at all with the story of, of Dr. George Campbell Morgan. Uh, he was a British evangelist, preacher, teacher, uh, author in the late 1800s and, and early 1900s. Um, but I found this story I thought it was worth sharing briefly with you today. 
says this, Campbell Morgan was one of 150 young men who sought entrance into the Wesleyan ministry in the year 1888. He, he passed his examinations, but then faced the trial sermon. Two weeks later, Morgan's name appeared among a list of 105 names. With All 105 had one word written next to them, rejected. He wired a note to his father with that one word, rejected. And he sat down to write in his diary. He wrote these words. Everything seems dark, yet still I believe God knows best. Quickly came the reply from his father. It said this, rejected on earth, accepted in heaven, love dad. In later years, Morgan said, God said to me in the weeks of loneliness and darkness that followed, I want you to cease making plans for yourself and let me plan your life. Rejection is rarely permanent, as Morgan went on to prove. The bottom line today, the thing I want you to hold tightly to from God's word is this, is that no one can ever reject you as powerfully as God accepts you. Listen, it's so important to me that you hear me say this. I am not today making light of the pain and the rejection that you felt. I am not saying to you, I know how you feel. I don't. No one in this room can completely understand the rejection that may be specific to you, to your story, your pain, your suffering. But, but my hope today is that you will realize no matter how great that rejection feels, the power of God is greater, is greater. We see that in Joseph's life. We see it, yes, in Jesus who, who overcame death in the grave and now sits seated at the right hand of the Father. And, and it can be our story too. The band's gonna come and help us in, in just a minute. We're gonna close. But as they do, there's three words that God has spoken to me recently that have just ministered to me in a real way. I wanna share those words with you as we close. Several weeks ago, I had a friend um, send me a scripture and I love and appreciate that encouragement that people give. And, and this is a particular friend and we've just been praying together about different things and sharing different things. And he, he's, a, he's a pastor. And so sometimes when pastors get to talk, we can just share about things and hadn't heard from him in a while. And, and just out of the blue one day, he sent me a pretty obscure verse from the Old Testament, I won't share it with you today, but, but a pretty obscure verse, not a verse that you would typically just send out. It's not one that you see on greeting cards very often and bumper stickers or wherever, but he said, he just said, Adrian, God specifically spoke to me this morning as I was reading this and I wanted to share it with you and I don't know everything that it means for you, but I wanted you to know today that God sees you. Those three words, God sees you. In that moment, God used those words to really minister to my heart. Now, I know God's word and I know his promises. And so that's not a new promise. It's not that I never understood that truth. But in that moment, those three words, God sees you, just ministered to me in such a profound way. A couple weeks later, I was talking to a friend on the phone about his journey. And he has just been through it a lot 
a lot of things just in his life, health, different things. And so hadn't been able to catch up. We were just talking on the phone. And he begins to tell me stories about encouragement and prayers, but specific things that God had done. These stories of people that, that, people that God had brought back into his life in a very specific way over this 48-hour period. Two different examples. And as he told the story, he said, you know, Adrian, in that moment, it made me feel like God sees me. God sees me. He had no idea what, what I was already thinking about and what God was already. But in that moment, he told me two different stories and the theme of both was, you know, Adrian, it just helped me. God sees me. I was thinking about that and I was just thinking about how profound those words are to me. I've known Jesus. I've walked with him. He's been so faithful, but, but there are times in my life I need to be reminded of that. And I believe today with some of the hurts represented in your life and in your relationships and some of the rejection that you've dealt with, maybe the most profound words that you could hear the, the voice of God saying to you today is those three words, I see you. You may think everyone has rejected you. You may think that you're unlovable. You may think that your life is unredeemable. Joseph had to think that, right? His life couldn't be redeemed, right? You may think you're obscure. You may think I could never use your, but, but I see you. And those words have meant so much to me. And I believe those words today can minister to you in a powerful way. Not minimizing your hurt, not saying it doesn't matter, not saying you just need more faith to get over. I'm not saying any of that. But in the midst of that, allowing God to come and remind you that he sees you, you're not forgotten. You have not been rejected by him. He's not abandoned you. He has not left you. And today, I just think some of us need to know that. Maybe you knew that, but today you need to know it in your heart. I want to invite you, would you just close your eyes for a minute and bow your heads? And um, I just think it's valuable sometimes that we can spend a moment to be quiet and still. I'm not really good at that. We're not really good at that in our lives, right? And especially when we talk about relationships, when we talk about something as heavy as a topic like this, I think it requires a few moments for us to just stop and consider, to take some inventory. It's really none of my business. It's just between you and the Lord. But in the first service, I invited people to join me in that prayer. To join me in receiving that word from God. I see you. I believe just as there was in the last service, I believe there's some people here today. They just need to claim that truth. It's been true. But today they just need to claim that God, you see me. God, you see me, no matter how much I've been rejected, no matter how painful that feels, no matter the, the lies that playing over and over again in my mind, I'm not lovable, I'm not worthy, I'll never. And to step outside of that for a minute and believe, God, that you see me. So if that's you today, we're gonna, in just a minute, we're all gonna stand and we're all gonna sing and but before we do that, I just want to invite some individuals in the room. 
If you want to receive that prayer, that blessing, that promise, I see you. I'm just going to invite you right now to just stand to your feet. It's between you and the Lord. It's a personal thing. But I want to pray for you. I want to join you because we can feel lonely sometimes in this journey. We can feel lonely sometimes in our pain. We can feel lonely sometimes living with that rejection. And today, I, I believe the heart of God is that you are not alone. So if that's your prayer today, if, if something in your spirit just says, yeah, I need, I need to hear that. I need to receive that. Right where you are, would you stand? I'm going to wait just a second before we pray. God, thank you today all around this room. You see us. You see us in our pain. Your promise is that you will not reject us. Oh, Lord, today we cling to that promise. I pray for my brothers and sisters today around this room. The pain they're feeling today is real. There's weeping today associated with their pain that only you know. And so, God, today our prayer is not to minimize that. Our prayer is not, hey, just get over it. But, God... Today we begin this journey by just acknowledging you are with us in our pain. You see us. You have not rejected us. Thank you, Jesus. In fact, thank you that you laid down your life for us so that we could always have hope, so that we would never be separated from you, so we would never have to be alone. And so my heart, Lord, is for these particularly these in the room standing, remind them today, you see them right where they are. They are not forgotten by you. Minister to them in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, church family, would you stand now to your feet? God, as we sing now, as we respond, thank you. Thank you for your promises. Thank you that the battles that we face in this life you have already won, and God, you will give us victory as we sing, as we call upon your name. Come and, and meet with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.